0: everyone, this is Henry DeVries. I'm the CEO of Indie Books International and welcome to this week's episode of the Marketing with a Book podcast. So we have several of our authors from Indie Books with us, we'll do an author roll call in just a moment. The subject we're talking about today is the website for an author who is a speaker. So what are your options, what's the best practices right now, why we're we seeing that and a special guest, the person who handles the web and social media for any books, Devin DeVries will be our speaker today. So first I wanted to go through the author roll call. If you could tell us uh, where you're from, where you're calling from and your name and title of your book or your upcoming book. What's the working title for your upcoming book? So I thought we'd start with uh, Chris Hodges and then go to David Goldman. Everybody, my name is Chris Hodges. I live in Denver, Colorado, which, which is where I am now. And my upcoming book, which according to this screen says October, so it'll be out shortly, is Noble Automation Now, and that is innovate, motivate, and transform your business with intelligent automation. Thank you. David? Thanks, Henry. I Hi, I'm David Goldman and I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I wrote the book, The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. Thank you, David. How about uh, Brad Pierce and then uh, Devin DeVries? Thanks guys, sorry to to be late. I am uh, happy to be here, it's been a little while. I am writing a book called uh, Sustainability Mind Shift. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Brad. And then Devin, tell us about your upcoming book.
1: Hi, my name is Devin DeVries and my upcoming book is called Marketing with a Seminar.
0: Thank you. And uh, let's go with uh, Joe and then John. Hi, I'm Joe Palo. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm St. Paul, I'm an East Sider. The title of my book is How to Sell Nothing a logical way to make the emotional sale. Thanks, Joe. And then, um, did I say Pam? Or I said John, I think. John and then Pam. I'm John Salaika. I live in Memphis, Tennessee. My upcoming book is Building Trust for Teams, where I can help people take trust from a feeling to actually a measurable, monitorable, and correctable behavior. Welcome, John. And then uh, Pamela. Hello everyone, I'm Pam Straker and I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And um, my book is uh, not yet titled but it will be called something like humor and caregiving. Thanks Pamela. Well, glad to have everybody here today. And if you could all put yourselves on mute, that'd be a great thing. And we'll bring on Devon DeVries. So, when we started Indie Books, uh, Mark LeBlanc, my partner, said, We're going to need a, a third person here for the launch. We need somebody who's going to be the control tower, who's going to keep this all together. We've got two creatives here. We need somebody who can make the trains run on time, who handles details, and still can also do marketing and social media. And I said, I know the person. And it was my daughter, Devon. She was working in corporate America up in Seattle. Mark and I flew up there, told her how great it would be to join a startup and uh, move back into her old room uh, at home. I'm happy to say Devon is uh, now a partner at Indie Books and has her own home. Uh, so she gets the joys of home ownership. Uh, which Suzanne means everybody says, I need $1,000. I'm gonna need $1,000. That's the joy of home ownership. everything is a minimum of $1,000. So welcome to the world of home ownership. Today, Devin's gonna talk about websites. I have some questions for her. And we're talking about websites right now for an author who's a speaker, who's a consultant, who's a trainer, all these things. And people hear that you need to be spending five to $10,000 on your website. And we're just here to tell you that is wrong. That is bad advice. You should not be spending that much. There are much better approaches and there's other places to invest your money. So we'll talk about what you can do on an affordable basis and also quality. So with that, uh, Devin, welcome. Uh, what would you like to talk to us about today?
1: Thank you, Henry. I'll just jump in kind of talking about types of websites first because you did bring up an interesting point. The five to $10,000 website, they do serve a purpose. My background is in e-commerce websites and membership-driven websites. So these are much more complicated websites. And in that case, if you're using advanced functionality or you need something very customized, then yes, you might need to go down that path. But for most of our authors and consultants, it's unnecessary. And the return that you're gonna get is not worth that kind of investment. So we have a couple levels of websites that we recommend and they're gonna run you more in the 2,400 to 4,800 price range. And really the ultimate goal with these is credibility. You guys have probably all Googled a company or person. And if you can't find any web presence, it kind of feels shady or they're not the expert that they are claiming to be. So that really is the ultimate goal for this kind of website. And then for the next level of getting booked as a speaker, it takes it one step further, giving speech bookers a way to kind of vet you, see your style, your personality, and see if you're the type of person they wanna put on their stage. So the two kind of levels that how we break down websites is kind of the platinum level is what we call them a multi-page website. And then the gold is what we call a one-page website. And this is really one of those, it's just a scrolling type of website. So you still have a menu and a navigation bar and all that. It just drops you on kind of a continuously running page. So it just kind of consolidates all the information. How do you decide? So how do you decide which one you want? The multi-page website is good if you're a little more established or if you have kind of multiple topics that you cover and you need kind of a overreaching site that's going to have a lot more content on it. So an example, uh, we have persuadewithastory.com as an example of this type of website. So this is a, for one, it's a series of books that Henry writes with several co-authors. So we have to have space to talk about each individual book, each individual author, plus Henry has several topics that kind of fall under this umbrella that he speaks under. So we have a separate video page that has multiple clips of his speeches and examples of his presentations. Uh, we also have places for testimonials, resources, additional media, content, that kind of thing. Now, if you are just starting out, it's your first book. In that case, a one page website might be the best place to start. It's going to be the fastest to set up and get going, and you can always build on to it later. So if it's just a starting point, that's a great one. Um, What we always wanna make sure you have though is at least one high quality video. An example of you speaking on a stage is the best option to have. But if it's something that, you know, a podcast interview, uh, a Zoom or webinar that you hosted yourself, anything like that to give them an example of you speaking will work, uh, but because I know a lot of people obviously haven't been on stage for over a year and a half. So you might not have that video yet, uh, but some sort of example in of a video.
0: So I don't want to go down to tin or bronze level, but uh, if we do platinum, gold, silver, What's your recommendation if they're just starting and they want the the basics? What would they do there?
1: Well, below a one-page website would probably be just using LinkedIn as as a place to kind of host all your information. I would still recommend that you have both a website and your LinkedIn profile, but LinkedIn has done a lot to add places that you can now put content like video links and even record videos through LinkedIn's platform. So you can host a lot of information there now that you couldn't before. So that would probably be what I would say would be the bottom kind of level of a, to direct people to. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, We had a question, Chris Hodges asked it and I'm going to handle it. It's what do we recommend the name of the website be? We believe in the trifecta that your speech title, book title, and your com URL be the same. So for Mark, it's growing your business. He has spoken a thousand times on the subject of growing your business. He has over 80,000 copies of growing your business in print. You can reach him at mark at growingyourbusiness.com. Now, The question is, or should you just have your name? Um, That might be a yes and answer. And maybe you buy that URL and you direct it. When you have multiple books, um, I have 14 books out there with my name on it right now. So it could make sense to have a henrydevries.com where I'm building up that personal brand. Actually, I did away with that website and I'm focusing on... Each book as an individual brand. So I have a a marketingwithabook.com. I have a a persuadewithastory.com. New book Rainmaker Confidential will be rainmakerconfidential.com. So that's how we believe the name is tied in. And Devin, I'm with you that the LinkedIn, you got to have that as the basic. I mean, that's there. Uh, You should go beyond. If we're looking for this book to be more credibility, one publisher I published with early in my career said, I want to be able to see five pages on Google of your name, Henry, and the book's name so that people can go through. So your website is one, but blog articles you do and uh, news releases and all these other things that will build up hits on Google. um, I like to say, If you uh, killed somebody, the best place to hide the body would be on the second page of a Google search. So we need at least one great page on Google for hits for you. Um, Not a lot of people will go five pages deep, but that's what a thought leader would have. um, And thought leaders write and speak. So some of the nice things about speeches that you give is the the organizations need to promote the speech and they'll promote your name and the speech. And if it's tied to your book title, it's promoting your book too. um, Devin, you talked about video. We should talk a little bit more about video and a YouTube channel and what all we recommend on that. Um, How do you see all that tying together?
1: Yeah. Real fast before we talk about video, I just wanted to add on to what you said about the URLs. Try to also think about ease of people finding your site. So for instance, Henry and I, our last name is DeVries, It's not a very common name and people might not know how to spell it. So if they just heard about Henry, they might have trouble finding him but like marketing with a book or persuaded with a story, his book titles are easier to remember. So easier to search and find that way. And then also, yes, the redirect URLs are great. You can buy a whole bunch of domain names and send them all to one kind of main site. So you're not taking the expense of having to host five different websites, five different names, You just build it on the main one and send all the other traffic to it. So those are both good options. So video, so yes, the rise of video has been huge over the past few years. People are much more inclined to watch a 60 to 120 second video than to read, you know, five articles. Articles are still helpful for different reasons. And part of that is the the Google search results that Henry mentioned, but videos will do the same thing. They will give you search results. So as long as you make sure you're kind of taking advantage of titling them well, so that again, you're capitalizing on how people are looking for your topic. And so you might've noticed All of our podcast episodes, for example, are how-to titles. We've named them all that way so that as people search, they'll hopefully pop up in the results. So that's something to kind of think about when you're doing video content is the name that you put on YouTube is important for how people will find your video. And again, it's just as much content as you can get out there, the better and not super long content. People want quick tip videos, quick, you know, stories, examples, things like that. We often recommend like three minutes or less. You're, you can tell, you know, one compelling story in that amount of time. And really it's just to kind of whet their appetite and want, you know, encourage them to engage with you more.
0: I'll jump in on some of this. A sizzle or demo reel is something that you should have. And this is typically under two minutes. And this shows you speaking in different venues. Typically it's done with you doing an interview or a voiceover that'll be the, the sound track for the entire presentation. And then, you can have some testimonials pop up there, you can have some um, characters on the screen that talk about your main points. And if you'd like help writing a sizzle script, I'm happy to help you with that. Uh, There are other people that we could recommend you go to and can help you punch up your sizzle script. Uh, Typically, a produced video, they estimated, it is somewhere a thousand to two thousand dollars for produced minute. Um, we can do a sizzle video for you for a thousand dollars, if you're interested in that. You should find somebody to help you and get one of those. The next thing Devin mentioned was the clip video. Um, now she was talking about what we help you put together, which is uh, either in our fall fling or at the IFF forum in the spring, where you can speak and tell a story. And that's typically around three minutes. We'll create a video with the cover of your book and information at the back on how to reach you. I interviewed speakers bureaus about getting our authors booked. And they told me, your authors might be great. Your books look great. They sound like smart people, but unless I can see a video of them speaking, I am not going to recommend them to a client so they are not going to watch 45 minutes to an hour i have some of those up there uh, if somebody wants to see the whole video but i'm putting together a clips video now which is just going to be um, under three minutes and it's from different speeches and where i get a reaction from the audience where they laugh or uh, you know they oh they make a reaction to a story somewhere to show that there's connection with the audience. Uh, I've used one of these before with great success. It's time to do a new one. Um, something for you to think of too. Also, you need to think of investing in getting these talks videotaped. So we're going live again. Um, I'm getting booked live for 2022, so that's good news. Yay! Um, so you need to invest in having a videographer. Some association groups you can um, negotiate with that they'll either give you a copy of your speech on video or we paid 250 to one association because they had to pay the videographers cost to duplicate the video of, of me speaking, um, well worth it. Um, when I spoke for Aflac, I wound up paying thousand dollars to get a videographer to be at that. Um, that was that important to me that for a a speech of that nature in that room with that audience that I'd want to have good video from it. So it's a a game we're playing. If you want to be booked professionally, uh, you need to invest in good video. Now there's alternatives and Devin, you can talk about, I'll turn the talking stick back to you about a YouTube channel but all the different things that we've been able to put on our YouTube channel that show us speaking, especially during the pandemic. So how has that worked, Devon?
1: Yeah, so we've taken advantage of doing webinars using Zoom and recording everything we do. And that has given us a lot of content to put on YouTube and we've just built it up. So now we have a few different kind of series of videos. So we have kind of webinar presentations. We have three or four different topics that we do regularly and we rotate them. We have all the podcasts we do as video as well as audio. So we have all of those on our YouTube channels. And then we have some, I'm not sure if they're quite testimonial, but they're like author, author success stories. So we kind of interviewed our clients and had them give us kind of a, you know, how's it working out with the book? Now that they've published and it's been a little while. What are some results they've seen? And all of those we were able to do through Zoom, because our clients are all across the country. So it's fairly easy these days because everybody got up to speed with video, everybody has a decent webcam now and set up that you can use easy tools to create video content.
0: Something we've done is I've interviewed some of our authors just sort of like the setup like we have right now with the two shot with Henry and Devin and I'll be Henry DeVries from Forbes.com and I'm interviewing Chris Hodges about his new book Noble Automation Now. You know, Chris, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so happy to be here today, Henry, to talk about the nuances of uh, intelligent automation and something that I'm introducing to the world called Noble Automation. Noble Automation. Tell us more about that, so you can see how that would go. That way, a meeting planner can look and see what you're like. Um, you know, are you are you stodgy? Are you soft-spoken? Are you energetic? That's what you wanna be, by the way, energetic. Energetic doesn't necessarily mean loud, but it means interesting. Do you talk too fast? Um, something that I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm guilty of many times. Um, my mother is from New York, that's my excuse. So you talk fast and loud. I've learned though, you need a measured pace, you need to pause. You can still show energy and intensity without being loud or talking fast. Devin, we should talk about some other social media things. Um, certainly, uh, I think LinkedIn. You, you mentioned our zoominars and you know doing zoominars and getting people to attend zoominars through LinkedIn. What's what's your recommendation there?
1: Yeah, so we've had a lot of great success using LinkedIn as an outreach tool to invite people to our events, both in-person and virtual. And it comes down to really figuring out who your audience is and what the topic that's going to grab their attention best, because that's the problem we all have with social media right now is... There's so much going on, you have seconds to grab people's attention. So putting a little time into figuring out, you know, what is the problem your target audience has that you can solve? And then creating the topic around that is going to you know, produce a lot of results. And then it's just a, All the information that LinkedIn has in all of our profiles is searchable, so the more detailed you can be about who your audience is, you'll be able to find them through the LinkedIn search and then reach out to them with messages. And I know we've covered this a few times, so we reference you back to a couple podcast episodes, or if you want more information, we have white papers on the topic. We're happy to share, but it has been a fruitful strategy for
0: us. So Devin, another part of a website is the invitation to leave a name and an email, perhaps in exchange for a a weekly tips newsletter, like we do, or something else of value. Um, so if you could talk about that device, creating an opt-in list and how that opt-in list helps when you do something like a 99 cent Kindle campaign to launch a book.
1: Yeah, sometimes I, I see articles about, you know, is email marketing dead? And I feel like they're kind of clickbait because <laughs> no. <laughs> email marketing has its place and it's not going anywhere. So building your list is still important, especially when you do have things like a book launch or events coming up, things like that. You want those people that have raised their hand and said, yes, I want to hear from you because they're going to be the ones that will respond and help you, uh, especially when we do things like the 99 cent Kindle campaign, because the goal of that is to get you on the bestseller list. So we need people that are interested and want to help you out by purchasing your book. Uh, Like you said, there are lots of tools to grow your list, Um, offering like a white paper or something like that. When they sign up for your list, people respond to the tips. That's the one we've used and we send it out every Tuesday. And it's one of those things that sometimes you wonder, is anybody reading these? And then somebody will reply. And then, you know, like, oh yeah, they are reading them. Or if we missed a week, occasionally, somebody will say, oh, we missed your tip. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. They're paying attention to that. So, part of it is just keeping you top of mind with them you know just a little a little something in their inbox every week reminds you, them that you exist you have stuff going on and when the timing is right for them to engage with you they'll remember where you are and they'll have your contact information readily available so that has proven to be a, a really nice strategy for us as well and i think it's a fairly simple one you do have to do content but the point of this is that it's a very simple short tip of the week so you don't have to spend hours of time trying to fill an email newsletter rather just give them a quick tidbit something actionable and sometimes it's as simple as hey we're having this event that has a bunch of information like We'd love to see you. And then they just get a little something from you each week.
0: So Devin, we had a question about e-commerce. What's our view or what's your view on e-commerce to sell a book on the website? Uh, There's some pros and cons to that. Uh, What's your view?
1: There are, I would say for just the simple book, it will save you time to have the book distributed online for you. Uh, So some of the services we use, it takes care of all the work for you. They sell it through all the online channels. They handle the shipping and all of that for you. Now they're going to take a little bit of a cut for that, but it saves you the time of having to track the orders, package them, take them to the post office. So if you just have one book, to me, it's it's not worth building a whole store because also to have an e-commerce component on your website, you automatically are having to pay a service to handle all the card processing, every sale, they're going to take a fee for the credit card fees or PayPal fees or whichever uh, processor you're working with. So to set up an online store is already going to be a bit of an investment. So if you only have one product, it's probably not worth it. Now, if you have
0: more,
1: more products, either like physical product, like a workbook or something like that, then maybe it starts to make sense if you have you know a series of products to sell, then it might be worth building it into your website, but it would be kind of a case-by-case basis, I would say.
0: So I don't know the answer to this, Devin. It used to be, we would get uh, something like one sharp, one sharp oneshoppingcart.com, or does WordPress have reliable e-commerce built in if they want to um, sell a workbook? Or the next thing is, how would they sell events through the website?
1: So, With WordPress, you're always dealing with plugins. So there's a lot of e-commerce plugins. And again, each one will have its own fee for using their service. So they're fairly easy to set up because they are all integrated. So that's the good news, but it's just, there's gonna be fees. And in some cases you're paying the fee whether you sell anything or not. Like You're paying for that option.
0: How are we handling are your events? question? <laughs> yeah, the other question was events. Oh, the event. Something you know that we've played around with and you have a certain strategy now. Why don't you share that with them?
1: Yeah, so we actually use two different things for our paid events. So Calendly, they have an integration with PayPal. That's worked pretty well for some of our um, longer workshops. So we have like a three hour workshop that's a paid event. And then we also have used Constant Contact, uh, which we've we've used for years for our our email newsletter database. They also now have an events component to it that we can build right in, and they can accept payments for those types of events. And what I like about those, we usually use that for our larger events. And what I like for that reason is because it's integrated now to our Constant Contact, so it makes it pretty easy for me to then send an email to all attendees of that event with updates and things like that. So for kind of the single easy events, we use the Calendly sign up for our, like our two day big event we have every year in La Jolla, our retreat weekends, things like that. That's what we'll use the constant contact um, event set
0: up. So, and basically for managing those opt-in lists, um, we use constant contact. MailChimp is also a good choice. I know there are many, and we're not here to debate uh, which technology uh, is the best. We just know that those two have worked for us and for our clients. And, you know, just leave it at that. For a a CRM, Mark LeBlanc and uh, Indie Books. we both use something called Nimble, and you can look into that. Um, we have not found one customer relationship management that's the perfect solution for everything. Uh, we hope that'll happen one day, uh, but right now we're using Constant Contact and Nimble, um, which is a big step up from Outlook and Excel. So, um, Devin, other social media tactics that tie into all this—you um, know—I'd like to hear about Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and what you've found for indie books authors. What's what's working out there?
1: Yeah, I wish I had like a one thing that worked for everybody, but unfortunately, it just doesn't seem to exist. I would say LinkedIn is probably the one that's the most universal for all business audiences, but past that it comes a little bit down to your audience and where they like to hang out. So we found for us, our, our clients are mostly consultants and they love Facebook. They love it. They're on it. They're engaged. They're in groups. They post a lot, but your group might like Twitter. They might like that kind of fast communication style. And then if you're in a more, you know, anything more creative or graphic related, then you're going to want to be on Instagram and Pinterest and the more image driven sites. So I would say, take a little time to research your ideal client and figure out where do they like to hang out? You know, are they on Instagram? Are they on Facebook? And then you can kind of invest time into building those channels.
0: We hit a hot button with Brad because Brad's about to do a webinar and he wants to know how do we market webinars? Uh, He's about to do a webcast series on the same topic as the book. So how do we market all that? Um, Why don't you spend a little time on the different ways we market?
1: Yeah. So for our events, our kind of mix of strategies is our email database, our LinkedIn database, and then referrals. So at this point, we've built up a pretty healthy referral system. So we get a decent amount of seats filled that way. So we always try to make sure our biggest kind of referral sources or affiliates know when we're doing events. But for the other two, so the email email database is pretty straightforward. We just send a blast out every time we're doing an event. We don't send a ton of emails for our events. We kind of, we don't like to be spammy so we'll probably send one maybe two per event so just kind of the initial invite and then maybe a reminder if it's when it's getting close others will tell you to send an email every week leading up to event so you just kind of have to decide what you're comfortable with and and what your audience is open to and then for LinkedIn again it's that Kind of direct message strategy so we do post about it on you know our linkedin feed and our facebook feed and things like that but the where we see the biggest results is the individual messages you know inviting people to the event
0: and then of course phone calling uh, actual phone outreach to a list i learned this years ago from somebody um, who I invested in their system for promoting events and they had a checklist. And one of the top things on the checklist was to call 30 prospects for every event that you're gonna put on. And the call is very brief. It's if you'd be open to a conversation about this event, be happy to have it, um, could explain things to it. It's this time and place if you're interested, that can be left with voicemail. It can also be one-on-one. If I actually reach somebody, I'll ask them, is this a bad time for a 60 second phone call? Uh, I think David Goldman knows uh, that Sandler, uh, Sandler sales technique, being not okay with the phone call, but also giving them a time. Um, I found 80% of the people will say it's a bad time, but go ahead. You got a minute. Um, If they say it is a bad time, it's a bad time. That means their wastebasket is on fire. Um, You know, something's happening. You don't want to talk to people who said it's a bad time, Um, you know, call them back. Um, I've gotten many people to attend our Marketing with a Book and Speech Summits because I looked them up on LinkedIn, sent a LinkedIn message, and then checked on the contact. And if they have a phone number, I've given that respectful phone call. And <laughs> people say like, you're you're really like Henry DeVries and you're calling me and you're telling me about this? I go, uh, yes. Oh, what is it? You know, okay, yeah, I'll be there. Um, so you never know. You you. You you realize that probably only one in twenty are interested if you get a hold of them, but your job is to find those people. So if you call thirty, um, you know maybe you're going to pick up three people, but maybe you know I've picked up uh, five to ten doing that out of thirty people. Um, Mark LeBlanc talks about at least an opportunity twenty list that you would put together. You know the hardest people are sector ones who are strangers never heard of you, don't know about it. Um, those are the last people you call. The first people you call are former clients. Um, they might be your advocate or your affiliate on it. They might want to attend, they might know somebody. Um, from then on, you go to your sector twos, which they have had some relationship with you. Um, they, you know, they know, they've heard of you somehow, they would, um, you know, entertain an idea on this. The biggest fear people have when you're on the phone and you caught them cold is that they're not going to be able to get you off the phone. If it's into an organization, I start off with, I don't know if you're the person I should be talking to. Can we spend 30 seconds together and you tell me if you're the right person or or direct me to the right person? Sure. And people go and just be very respectful of the time. Um, don't don't fear the phone Um, one of our uh, big advocates he's passed on but he was famous for saying just pick up the dang phone just pick up the dang phone now obviously he was a boomer and not a millennial but pick up the dang phone okay so we talked about all those ways Uh, Devin there's also something you'll do you'll create some graphics we can use on social media Um, why don't you talk about that also I, you know, if Devon has other clients, uh, some in the bridal arena, some in the uh, you know custom cocktail arena. Um, any insights on on reaching those people through social media?
1: Yes, yeah, so those are examples of very different audiences. And and where do you find the the people that are going to interact so with the bridal salon? pictures are huge. So Instagram is where most of their, their marketing goes and doing, um, some sponsored ads when they have special events coming up. So that's one thing is figuring out where your people lie. Um, with the custom cocktails, obviously we have an age, range of people so we have to target and be careful how we do advertising and make sure we're hitting the 21 over audience and there are a lot more restrictions on alcohol advertising with Facebook and Instagram so it just comes down to learning, learning the unique area that you're in and how your customers like to interact with their favorite brands. So Brad, the the magic, was your other question?
0: Yeah, the Uh, graphics that you can produce.
1: Yeah, so I think just again, that whole, you're trying to grab people's attention quickly. Images just pop more as people are scrolling. So we use canva.com, pretty simple to have a lot of templates That you can just kind of use to, you know, for events. We use them for events, for book launches, things like that. Um, It just helps to have some visual component when you're sharing information.
0: Okay. So we had a question from Joe, and Joe is talking about Sector One. So if we want to acquire a Sector One name, company, email, phone, uh, where is that stored? Where is it shared? So what are some options um, we have for finding those things?
1: So we've tried a few things. You've bought lists before on InfoUSA.com.
0: Yeah, InfoUSA.com.
1: So that's one option is to buy a list. I will say we find they are often a little out of date, (laughs) Uh, as people change jobs and move on. So you have to kind of just know it's probably not going to be a 100% accurate list that you buy. And the other option is LinkedIn. Obviously it will take a little more time to search and then kind of scan through people's profiles and, and try to gather that information and sort of build your own database. And then the other option for like speech bookers, is to use a service that this is their f- focus. So they know how to kind of find the contact information and and they have a dir- their own kind of directories. Um, so there's a few companies that we've worked with that we would recommend um, that can help. Pray
0: their, pray their marketing pray service their marketing. comes to mind. For a hundred to $200, they'll put together a very detailed database of uh, meeting planners and speech bookers um, that you could approach. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's helpful
1: if just from a time saving. Because, yes, you can do it yourself, but it's going to take time. And, you know, one thing that drives me crazy on websites is the contact information. How many websites don't have clear contact information posted? Yeah. almost like they don't want you to email or call them (laughs) you're like you're a business i thought you would want us to to be able to contact you so you know it just again that's going to slow you down if you're trying to find these people's contact information that's not easily you know accessible it could make it harder and you spend a lot of time on it
0: yeah so obviously to get booked as a speaker the best thing is that somebody recommends you and then people go to your website and they check you out and possibly ask you for your speaker's one sheet, which we've talked about is a simple PDF, perhaps two-sided with your photo and topic and bullet points and contact information. And then they wanna see that under two-minute video so they see what you're like. Now, on an outreach effort, Uh, putting together the database as a first step. Um, We also will send postcards out to that database. That's about a dollar a postcard in the mail to these people as a first step. Um, Then phone contact to see who would be willing to take more information, like a copy of your book, and then getting books into people's hands. it is starting a relationship. Uh, these are one transaction sales. Oh, postcard, this person sounds great. Let's book them for the convention. A uh, lot more involved than that. Um, and that's to be a speaker in the five dollars to $10,000 range. Uh, when we start talking, we have people in the $7,500 to 15000 We have people in the ten dollars to $20,000 range. You have to up your game because the competition is much stronger your website has to be much better. Your video has to be much better. You're just playing in a different league. But for now, if we can just get you to that uh, five to $10,000 league, that would be great. And we can move on from there. Devin, I, I see our time's up. Thank you so much for uh, bringing some wisdom to us today. And we look forward to our future podcast where we dissect all the different aspects of this so we can go deeper um, If you asked a question and we didn't get to it, uh, I hope we can get to it next time. So thanks, Devin. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. And we'll see you on the next edition of Marketing with a Book podcast.